Turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. If you're looking for our passage in the Bible that's provided for you in the pew rack, you can find this on page 1062. This fall, we're looking at the middle chapters of John's Gospel, where Jesus announces to us his identity. We have heard in John's Gospel Jesus say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And in John chapter 10, Jesus will say, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Now, in John's gospel, there's often irony intentionally added, where someone will say something that you think, oh, I don't think they really understand the fullness of what they're saying. Well, there's an unintended irony in the sermon title today. Listen to my voice, a quote from Jesus. And yet, I put this sermon title the week that I decide when my son is home from college, let's go to an amusement park and let's scream through every roller coaster. And since I grew up in New Jersey and we went to a park in New Jersey, I decided I needed to teach my children what the Jersey devil sounds like. I won't do it for you now because I still have to get through this sermon and another one. You have to ask me on a week when I'm not preaching, what does the New Jersey devil sound like? Because the irony of that title, Listen to My Voice, is that when we come to the Word of God, we come not to hear a preacher, but to hear the Savior, to hear the words of Jesus himself who says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Listen as I read John chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 21. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, 
and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth of Jesus announced to us in the power of the gospel. Lord, I pray for those who listen today to the words of the scriptures, but yet don't hear the voice of Jesus. I pray that you would give them the faith to believe, that they would recognize your voice as the shepherd who is willing to give your life for us. Lord, for those of us who follow after Jesus, let us do so with joy, with gratitude, for what he has done for us. And so we come praying in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Did you hear the news story from a few weeks ago? Behan Mutlu had been out with friends. It was just a Tuesday in Turkey when he wandered into the forest, the northwest province of Bursa. The BBC News report explains... When he failed to return after wandering into the woods, his wife and friends alerted local authorities, and a search party was sent out. Mr. Mutlu then stumbled across the search party and decided to join it. So it wasn't until they began calling his name that he realized what had happened, and he finally had to say, I'm here. He didn't even know he was lost. He didn't think he was in any danger until they heard him call out his name. And this wasn't the foolish behavior of a young student. Behan Mutlu is a full-grown 50-year-old adult man. How can you know, how can you not know that you're lost? Yet that's how Jesus describes us, as sheep scattered by a wolf. But sheep who, when we hear our name, will respond. Jesus shifts the imagery between John chapter 9 and John chapter 10 from spiritual blindness. Remember, in the last chapter, he healed a man who had been born blind. And then he told everyone who was listening, you are the ones who are blind spiritually. You don't see the truth that's right in front of you. And so we're in the same context. I mean, if you look at the way the verse divisions between John 9, 41 and John 10, 1, it's a continuing conversation of Jesus. We're in the exact same context. Jesus has healed a man born blind, and that has raised controversy. And so Jesus switches the image from spiritual blindness to now the pastoral image of a sheep, of a shepherd caring for his sheep. See, his opponents, they don't want to admit that they were blind. And so he's going to show them that they're lost. He's going to show them that they have pretended to be shepherds, but at best they've been hired hands running at the, at the, the, the threat of danger. Or at worst, they've been robbers, thieves, trying to destroy the flock of God. See, the opponents of Jesus certainly don't want to listen to his voice. 
I mean, the danger is clear in the imagery that Jesus gives to us. In verse 1, he, he says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. We're picturing a, a pastoral image of the, the hillside. And, and don't picture the, the green hillsides of Ireland. Picture the, the dusty hillsides of Palestine. But the sheep then have to be carried across great, great areas to find enough to, to feed. But, but at night, they need to be protected. And so a big enclosure out in the open, you lead them in through the gate, and, and there's a shepherd who will keep watch all night, a, a man who will watch at the gate to keep them safe from danger even through the night. So the shepherd, of course, will only enter and exit through the appropriate entrance. Anyone who tries to climb over the wall, anyone who tries to get another way is a thief or a robber. Jesus, in verse 10, warns of the danger that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's not merely going to add some sheep to his flock, but take them and slaughter them for himself. But the danger is not just of, of a thief who will come in, it's, it's the, the attack of the wolf in verse 12. The wolf that will send the, the hired hand running because what does he care at all? And so in verse 13, the hired man runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. Now, you and I don't maybe pass by shepherds in our daily commutes. We don't see this every day, but, but if you were in Jerusalem, then you would see this every day because all of the hillsides surrounding the city. I mean, remember, David, the great king, was a shepherd in Bethlehem, just a few miles to the south. And so the image of God as a shepherd is one that's familiar to us. I, I read those words with, with one of our church members who's in the hospital awaiting surgery. We heard it in our call to worship from Psalm 28, that God is our shepherd. But it's also an image that's used to describe the evil of those that God had sent to protect his people. And so every one of the commentators that I read in, in studying John 10 points back to the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34, where, where God uses the imagery of a shepherd, a shepherd who will not care for the sheep, the leaders of Israel. And so in, in Ezekiel 34, and you can, you can find this, it's, it's in the middle of your Bible. It's, if you find Psalms, then keep going past Isaiah and Jeremiah. It's one of the major prophets, which just means he's easier to find because he covers more pages in your Bible. Ezekiel 34 the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them. It's a warning against the leaders who God says are claiming to be shepherds of God's flock. We continue in Ezekiel 34 too. This is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to the shepherds of Israel who, not only, who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not care for the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. The shepherd who 
harms the flock, who takes for himself, who cares not for the lost. That is what the leaders of God's people have been like. And so this is a prophecy against the shepherds. In verse 10 of Ezekiel 34, we continue reading, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against the shepherds. I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. And so when Jesus stands in John 10 and tells the religious leaders that he is the gate for the sheep, that he is the good shepherd, he is fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel 34. He's condemning them, he's pointing the finger at them and saying, woe to you who claim to shepherd God's flock. And then listen to this promise. As condemnation is brought against the, the failed leaders, listen to the promise of Ezekiel 34, 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I'll bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and all the settlements of the land. Do you hear what God has promised? In the time of Ezekiel, he's saying, you have been harmed by these false shepherds, but I will shepherd my sheep. So Jesus warns of the danger in John 11, but then he offers himself. This is a condemnation of those who think that they are safe, who think that they don't need help, who think that they have spiritual sight when they are really blind, who think that they are the rightful shepherds of God's people. And yet Jesus condemns them as thieves and robbers, as hired hands who run away, who leave the sheep to be destroyed. And yet in, in John 10, not only does Jesus not only does Jesus offer us the danger, we, we hear his voice. That phrase is repeated again and again in this passage. Back in John chapter 10, verse three, the watchman opens the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. It's repeated in verse four, that the sheep know his voice. Or in verse 16, that he says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. Again, describing the, the prophecies of Ezekiel to gather his sheep from among the nations. He says, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. See, Jesus, the one standing before them, announces that he is the good shepherd. He warns them, he, he, he warns the, his listeners in verse five. He says, but, but they, my sheep, will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, what voices are you and I tempted to listen to? Like, what are the voices that would turn us away from the good shepherd? Because the image is pretty clear. To follow any other voice is stupid. I mean, it's foolish, it's nonsense. To listen to anyone except Jesus, the good shepherd, will only lead us into danger. Yet who might we be willing to listen to? 
When do we open up our social media accounts and say, well, there's a trustworthy source. I mean, TikTok, that's where I can find truth. And we chuckle, and yet, students, this is where you're seeking answers to life's big questions. Telling you what's important. And I don't just mean what dance moves or eye makeup fashions are trending. But we go to TikTok to find out how we should live. What our standards of morality should be. All right, now, students, don't feel like I'm only picking on you, because you may not even have any idea what TikTok is. But what voices are you willing to listen to? When you turn on news commentators who impress you that this is the most important thing you will hear all day, when they tell you how to think, not just what is happening in the world, but the only response that would be appropriate to it. Notice I didn't name any actual commentators. I didn't tell you a television station that's dangerous, although you're probably still kind of mad at me for just pointing this out. Because I think the problem lies in the very system itself. News commentators aren't really trying to tell you the news. They are trying to get you to keep watching. TikTok influencers don't really care about you. They want you to keep watching because ad revenue is dependent upon how many eyes keep watching. That's why you get screamed at by news commentators, and I don't care if they're right, left, or center, because they're, they're in an entertainment industry of trying to fill 24 hours of the day with news. There is not that much news to listen to. And yet, you and I listen. We keep it on in the background all day long, because while well, they're telling me what I want to hear, I mean, they've told me it's important, they've told me how to respond, and so now I know what's important, now I know how to respond. News commentators, social media influencers, don't really care about you. I mean, maybe that's why they started in the business, because they were passionate about an issue or a topic. But by the time you're listening to them, they don't care about you. They care about keeping eyes on a screen so that dollars flow into their accounts. And, and I don't mean that in the, like, the most cynical sense that they are just counting dollars and cents. They may tell you that they really care about you, but will they show up at your house when you're in tears and put an arm around you? No, because the whole system is built on this anonymity and this distance. You feel like you know them, but they don't know anything about you, except maybe some demographic data that allows them to sell your information to further advertisers. See, once they've reached the pinnacle where you're listening, they're using you to get more listeners. They don't really care if their advice leads to your destruction. 
listen to the voice of Jesus. I know it sounds simplistic. Shut off the other screens. I don't mean forever. I mean like turn on a half an hour of news and get a full day's worth. Turn off social media and put your phone aside. I, I, I heard one pastor say this week that, that something that, that it challenged and changed his own devotional life, his own thinking about spiritual things was the Bible before my phone. Like that he wasn't gonna touch his telephone until he had a Bible in his hand. Now that might not work for you with your schedule, maybe, maybe the way that, that your day, and so, so like that's not a command. But what are things that you need to do to turn off some of the other voices in your life? To stop the sort of panicked response that's created to the, to the controversies surrounding us and listen to the voice of Jesus. See, would you even hear his voice if he spoke? But not only do we have a Savior who speaks to us, Savior who calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. We have a Savior who is himself our rescuer. There are two great I am statements in this passage. There are seven throughout the Gospel of John, and we get two of them in, in tight succession. Jesus in verse 7 says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. He repeats in verse nine, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus uses an inanimate object, a gate, a, a, a fence entrance. This, this stone enclosure, because you're not gonna put wood posts, this isn't the American West, you're gonna put stone, because that's what you've got a bunch of. But there's one entrance, there's one gate, there's one way in and one way out. So Jesus takes an inanimate object and says, that's, that's what I'm like. I am the gate. I am the entrance into eternal life. I am your pathway into the pastures of God. I am the one who offers you eternal life. See, there is only one entrance. Jesus is the only way. He says it repeatedly in this gospel. But he, but he doesn't say it in a narrow way, like in a narrow-minded way, as if he's sort of shaking his finger at everyone else and telling them, no, 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 not, not that way. No, 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 not you. No, look again at verse nine. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. It's both an exclusive claim that Jesus is the way to salvation and a wonderful, wonderfully embracing invitation, whoever enters through me will be saved. And this is the, the, the repetition that comes in John's gospel, that every time we get a, a narrow focus on who Jesus is, it comes with this wide embrace to everyone. In John chapter six, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. But then he opens the invitation. So, so he is eternal life. But then he says, if anyone eats of this bread, 
he will live forever. See, to claim Jesus as the only way is, is yes, an exclusive claim. There, the other religious systems will not get you to eternal life. Jesus is the only way. But it's open to everyone. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. In John chapter 8, verse 51, Jesus said, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. It's repeating what he says here. Whoever enters will be saved. See, there's hope for us because Jesus is the entrance into eternal life. But then, then he keeps the metaphor going. He shifts from this inanimate object of the gate and then says that he is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. God in the flesh as the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He repeats it in verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, the image we've, we've been given is that the shepherd is the one who, when the wolf attacks, is willing to risk his life to rescue the sheep. The hired hand, he just runs. I mean, this is just a paycheck. This is not worth minimum wage to die by wolf attack. So I'm gone. He can come and count the sheep in the morning. There'll be several dead sheep. Maybe all the sheep will be dead, but it's not worth what he's paying me because I'm just a hired hand. But the shepherd who owns the sheep, who knows the sheep, who leads his sheep, is willing to face the attack of a wolf. But the goal when a wolf attacks is not that the shepherd dies. Who's supposed to die in the attack? The big bad wolf. But the shepherd is willing to risk his life. But Jesus does more than that. Because the big bad wolf that he faces for you and me is not a predator preying on sheep. The big bad wolf that he faces for you and me is your sin and mine. Our sin which has led to our spiritual death, our separation from God, the condemnation that we deserve, the just punishment for our sins. And so when Jesus is willing to face our enemy, it's not at the risk of his life, it's at the guaranteed cost of his life. But it's not accidental. He doesn't stumble into this as if he realizes, oh, probably should have read the full job description for what it means to be a good shepherd because this is pretty awful. I didn't read the fine print at the bottom. No, what does he say? The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This was at the top of the job description. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's not a possibility. It's not a probability. It's a guarantee it will happen. Because your sin and mine costs the shepherd his life. See, the voices we're tempted to follow in this life will sell us out for revenue dollars. The emotional pleas that, they, that we see through the screens might be real emotions, but they aren't really here for us. 
If they were forced to choose between our good and their jobs, if the wolf shows up, they'll go running for the hills. All other voices are here to steal and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life. Eternal life, life that is full and abundant, we read in verse 10. Jesus gives us life by laying down his life. The Savior is the good shepherd who calls his sheep by name. He knows each one of us. And when I look at a flock of sheep, if you put 10 in front of me, made me close my eyes and mix them up again, I wouldn't be able to pick any of them out. They're sheep. But the shepherd, he knows each one by name. Now, that might not have actually been true in the ancient world where a shepherd would have known each of his sheep by name. I mean, if you're going to shear them and eventually sell them for slaughter in the temple, you might not want to name each of them cute, cuddly names. But if you're the good shepherd who knows that these sheep will be rescued, then you know them by name. Jesus loves us and cares for us. Our rescuer is the hero who runs at danger rather than turning to flee. Jesus willingly marches forward from John 10 to the cross the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, not merely risking his life, but giving, not only lays down his life, what does he promise? He promises to take it up again. There's a promise not only of his sacrificial atoning death, but of the power of his resurrection, that he is the one with the authority to, to take his life up again. Will you listen to the voice of Jesus? Will you follow the good shepherd? Will his death bring you life? See, there's hope in this passage for all of us. Whether you felt like an insider, one of the religious people of Jesus' day who are in the pen, or you are one of the sheep that are not of this sheep pen, the sheep whom the shepherd will have to chase down, the sheep whom the shepherd will drag out of the brambles and briars, the sheep who, who, who he will... Luke Short was an 18th century farmer in New England. An introduction to the Puritan preacher John Flavel's book describes this simple farmer. Luke Short attained his 100th year in exceptional vigor though without having sought peace with God. One day as he sat in his fields re reflecting upon his long life, he recalled a sermon he had heard in Dartmouth as a boy before he had sailed to America. This farmer had spent decades living for himself, ignoring the commands of God, unwilling to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. But the, the introduction, the tells us about Luke Short continues. The horror of dying under the curse of God was impressed upon him. This 100-year-old man, sitting, listening to a sermon he had heard as a little boy. 
He says, the horror of dying under the curse of God was oppressed upon him as he meditated on the words he had heard so long ago. And he was converted to Christ. 85 years after hearing John Flavel's sermon. Now, I don't think you have 85 years to reflect on today's sermon. I mean, maybe some of the littlest ones sitting here, maybe. I also don't think this sermon is so good that you're gonna remember it 85 years from now. I won't remember this sermon 85 years from now. I'm not asking you to listen to me. I'm asking you to listen to Jesus. Put your trust in him. He is your savior. Listen to what he says to you. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the authority of your word, for the hope of Jesus. Lord, for, for those that have, have heard the words today and yet have not yet heard the voice of Jesus. Even now as we, as we reflect on the truth of your gospel. Give faith to those who listen, that they might hear the voice of Jesus crying out to them, that they might see the ministry of Jesus, their Savior, the one who died, and more than that, the one who was raised again from the dead. And Lord, let us turn from the, the false and silly voices that we're willing to listen to. Let us turn off some of those voices, that we might hear the words of our Savior, our good shepherd, the gate for the sheep, our entrance into eternal life, our rescuer and king. And so, Lord, we come to you today praying in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.